If you want to turn in your Bibles to Galatians, I was really praying, really struggling about what to go through after the salvation uh, series that we were in, and I, I tend to always want to go back. I love preaching through Ephesians. I like preaching through what I call the Little John books. Um, but I've been through those a few times, and I was just really praying and. As I was praying, Galatians came to mind because Galatians is a book that Paul wrote and it was to people who had heard the gospel but they started to sway back into some traditions. And uh, Paul wrote this letter and Paul was Saul until Acts 13 uh, and that's when he was first called Paul and and Paul was uh, a Jewish leader. And he was opposed to Christians. He was opposed to the followers of Jesus. As a matter of fact, he would hunt them down and imprison them. And he probably observed quite a bit that went wrong with them. But he was opposed to them. He was very zealous as a Jew. He, he really believed in his faith and to the point of persecuting uh, others that stood against that. But uh, one day, Damascus wrote, he met Jesus in a special way. And the thing I like about Paul is it can be um, a picture of you and me. Because we can be zealous about things. Maybe we were raised in a different faith. Maybe we weren't saved at all. But when we meet Jesus, things change. And that's what happened for Paul. And he began to take a, a message from his salvation. And he was passionate about it. And so... Paul knew all these Jewish laws. As being a, a Jewish leader, he knew all the, the Jewish laws. And he was very uh, obedient to those laws. And he knew all the traditions, was very obedient to those traditions. And like I said, he was very zealous about what he did. But when Paul became a Christian, his, his life really changed. And he began to understand the real purpose of God's law. So part of Galatians is talking about God's law, but it's also talking about our freedom in Christ. And laws are there for a lot of reasons, and God's law is there to show us sinfulness. It's always been the same. The, the purpose of the law has never really changed. When God instituted even on the tablets, the Ten Commandments, now we know that the Jews had uh, many hundreds of laws that they kept adding on and, and laying layers onto. But even for the Ten Commandments, the purpose of that was really to show people their sins. So it, it really showed the people that we needed to trust God in the Old Testament. It always pointed towards the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus. So we say that it shows that people need to trust in Jesus because of ourselves we can't do those things. Now we think even sometimes, well, you know, I've never killed anybody, I've never committed adultery, I've, I've uh, you know, never done this or that. But Jesus even clarified that more. He said, you know, if you've thought about these things, even in your heart, you have, have sinned against him. So um, Jesus is the only one we know that can free us from the punishment of sin. Galatians will talk about that also. So Galatia is part of the country that today we would call Turkey, if you... If you follow over in, in that part of the world, Turkey is sort of where um, the cities of Galatia were. Most people lived in Galatia were Gentiles. They weren't Jewish people. Most of them were of the Gentile nation. And Paul had visited this region at least two times that we are aware of. 
and he had preached the gospel and many were saved. He had a lot of success over there sharing the gospel. And even today as, as people are sharing the gospel over in that Middle East area, there is a, a lot of people coming to Christ, Muslims and non-believers alike that are coming to Christ. They're sort of having a revival that's over there. So why did he write this letter? So whenever we look at something, we want to say, well, who is it addressed to and why was he writing this? So we know that it was addressed uh, to first to the Jewish, that's who they were going to, to see, and then to the Gentiles, really to all people when they ran into trouble. But he wrote this because the Gentiles, of course, they didn't believe in Jesus. And some of the Jews... They didn't really believe in, in a Messiah. It was a hard thing for them. So they were raised in a tradition. So I want you to think about this. If you were raised in a, in a traditional church, um, you might have troubles coming to grasp other thoughts of things. So uh, my wife was, was raised in a Catholic church. We were married in a Catholic church. The Catholic Church has some teachings in it about saints and purgatory and infant baptism, things like that. And when you're raised in that, it becomes very in, ingrained in you. And so even when you become saved, there can sometimes be those lingering uh, strings attached that you have the what-ifs, the what-ifs of this or that. And so no matter what faith you are in, you can, you can always have that. I've had people that have come to Christ that were pagans, that were uh, Native Americans, that were Islamic in the prison system. And once they get saved, you know, they're excited, they understand about it. But some of the stuff that has been ingrained in them is very difficult to overcome. And so um, the Gentile Christians in Galatia, for those that were saved, they believed in the gospel of Christ. But there was Jewish people there too. And some of them were probably saved, but they had this, this thing attached to them about the law that they still needed to observe the law. And that is where uh, the struggle came in. Some of them were just false teachers. Some of them just didn't like Paul. They were um, jealous of the following maybe that Paul had. They began to spread rumors about Paul. And we know how that goes in the world, right? When somebody doesn't like you, all of a sudden, sometimes there's false statements being made about you. And so Paul was facing this, but he handled it with the utmost dignity. He handled it with the authority of God's word, which is great because we don't want to stand on our own laurels. We want to stand on, on what God has placed in our heart. So um, there may have been some Jews again there that, that seemed to trust Jesus, and maybe they really did trust Jesus. Uh, but because of their jealousy, they had sort of rose up against him. And so sometimes we can see this today too. There becomes power struggles that go on in, in some areas of life. If two people are, are, are wanting attention and one's getting more attention than the other, there can be that struggle. And so they said that Paul was not an apostle. That was one of their statements. He's not an apostle. And when we look at the, the first apostles that were there, those were ones that were walked and talked with Jesus and, and witnessed him. And Paul was not that type of an apostle, though he was an apostle because he was appointed by God. But they were saying, well, the first apostles, they were with Jesus and they saw the resurrection and they, you know, they were this group. And here comes Paul afterwards. And so you shouldn't really believe him. And so that they said that these Christians, so they were telling these Christians, you need to obey the Jewish laws. And again, they had hundreds of laws. I can't, I can't remember, was it 613? Or 713? 613, I think it was. There's a lot of things that 
you have to do. Now, whenever I see laws, laws are instituted for one purpose usually, and it's to control something, either to control people or to control whatever. When we have laws, speed limits, okay, they're to control people on how they drive. Now, people don't always obey them. They break those laws. But laws are always there to control people. And I have to think sort of along the lines of the Pharisees and some of the Jewish uh, people at that time, they wanted to control what was happening. And there's something in our nature that, that wants to control things. As a husband and as a, as a father, as a man, there's a lot of times I don't like it when things seem to be getting out of control. You know, you want to make sure that everything is, is you know, done proper and in control. We don't like it sometimes when we um, fly off the cuff. Now, when we were young, we did a lot of that, right? We just sort of were freewheeling and, and didn't worry much about things. But as we get older and we have responsibilities, sometimes we like control. And unfortunately, sometimes churches have that very thing. They want to control their people. And uh, there's a lot of avenues you can go down with that, but I just want you to think about that. Sometimes when there's laws that are instituted, it's for the purpose to control people. Laws aren't always bad, but there's a purpose for those things. For instance, in the prison, we have a lot of rules. I mean, we have, a, they call it an inmate handbook, and it's several pages, and it's all sorts of rules. It's, it's rules like... They, they do counts three times a day, and when it's count time, the inmate needs to get up, and they need to stand up in their room so when the officer goes by, he can see him. But we would say, well, that's stupid. Why can't he be laying on his bunk or whatever? Well, we know because sometimes Alcatraz happens, right? People make a little dummy, and you can't tell if they're in their cell or not. So rules sometimes are there for a good reason, too. So the reason for these rules, though, for the Jews is because they were bound into them. They really thought that it was part of their salvation. And so Paul was very worried about these people because he wanted them to know the liberty in Christ. And that's where really why I sort of chose this, because I want us to know our freedom in Christ. And the freedom is not just to do as we please, but it's to do as he pleases. Okay? So we're not instituted by man's laws. We're not instituted by necessarily denominations' laws. We come together as believers, and we believe in God's word, and we follow God's word. But we're not really looking at anything other than what does Jesus have for us? What is it that God would have for us? And so Paul really said this, I want to teach you the truth again. So he had taught them at once. They were liberated. They were, they were uh, all happy in their faith. And going down the road, and then all of a sudden, some people started getting some claws into them, pulling them back into this and pulling them back into that. And I believe that the people began to lose some of their peace. They began to lose some of their joy. But we know for sure that they began to lose some of the liberty that Christ had had in them. And I've seen this in evangelical churches and in even very conservative churches where people get saved and they're excited about things. And they want to go share it with their family. And they want to go share it with their neighbors. And they want to go share it with their co-workers. And they go out and they're all zealous about sharing the gospel with those around. And sometimes some of the uh, more seasoned Christians uh, try to put the reins on them. And say, hey, wait a minute, slow down. You're going to scare people away. Well, Paul wasn't worried about scaring people away. Paul understood that it was the truth of the gospel that was most important. He understood that he was a sower and a waterer. 
And he left the rest up to God, that God would give the increase in these things. So as we look at these scriptures, as we look as, as we open, we're going to go through the first five verses today. And here they are. And it's just the opening. And that's where I want to start and go through it. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from man or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and to all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Now we can look at that and say, to be delivered from this evil age. And isn't that a wonderful thing to think about? But as Christians, sometimes we've gotten all wound up in the things that are going on. Got a very important election coming up in, what is it, 16 days now? And some people are just very wound up. Their, 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 their stomachs are, are churning, their ulcers are flaring up, their blood pressure is high. Everything, and you know, uh, we all have a, know who we're gonna vote for, I hope, by this point. Um, but really, when we believe in the sovereignty of God, what we need to do is we need to do our part and leave the rest in God's hand. We don't need to be anxious about those things. What we need to do is be faithful to God. God has called us to be faithful, and when we are faithful, he will take care of the rest. And so no matter what the outcome is, we can put our trust and our faith in him because he can deliver us from this present evil age. And our our home is not here, right? We sing a song, I'm just a traveling through. This is our temporary residence. But there's an importance about being faithful. And Paul emphasizes that. And, and again, in our newsletter, um, I emphasize that too. We have a, a biblical uh, mandate to do what we can do. But our trust is not in man-made things. And so Paul even says that about being an apostle. Paul, an apostle, not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ, God the Father, who raised him from the dead. So we believe that we are who we are because of what God has done in our life. It's nothing that, that we have done. There's nothing that we can generate through those things. And so Paul has this outlook as he's going ahead. Paul knew many of the Christians to whom he was writing. He had been there before. He had shared the gospel with them. Many of them, you might have even said, were his spiritual children. And God had sent both him and Barnabas out to preach the gospel to these people. And we know that many were saved. We know that just from the biblical account. And at first, Paul always went to the Jews. That was the, the first calling that he had. He would go to the Jews, he would share this gospel, and he would teach them about Jesus. Some would believe, some wouldn't believe. There was some resistance. Uh, we know at one time, in one city, the Jews nearly killed Paul. Um, but he was faithful to his calling. He didn't really worry about himself he was worried about what God had called him to do. So some Jews believed, some didn't. Great crowds listened to, to Paul. He had a great following. And I don't believe it was just because he was eloquent. We know that he wasn't really a good-looking man. So it had to be the message that he was preaching. And it's the message that draws people to Christ. But some became jealous about his success. And again, as I said, they spoke evil about Paul. They caused trouble for him. And they began to sow discord amongst many of those believers. And that's why Paul, in other places in the scripture, also talks about those who sow discord. Those who are talking 
negative about things and bringing things down or, or undermining what God's work really is. And Paul and Barnabas then decided to preach to the Gentiles. And it was much like Jesus. Jesus said, I'm called first for the Jews, but it was open to the Gentiles. And we see a lot of that that goes on. The Jews were God's chosen people. He wanted them to hear the message, but if they were going to reject it, they went to the Gentiles, and that's what Paul and Barnabas did. They decided to preach to the Gentiles, and they went to Galatia. And there was many that opposed them there. And again, uh, in one city in that area, uh, they tried to kill Paul and, and nearly did kill him. Now you talk about a calling in your life, and you talk about doing something that God would have you to do, would you take it that far? Would you stand up that strongly? So when I pray for us to say we need to stand bold in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our little social groups that we get to, in our families, when I talk about us standing firm, you might say, well, you know, Uncle Bill's going to get a little bit upset with me, and I don't like to argue over these things. Paul went out and preached to the, to the sake of almost losing his life. But many people trusted in Jesus and they became strong Christians. See, that's the benefit of it. We never know where that seed lands. God has called us again to be a spreader of seed, to be a water of those seeds. So we, we share the gospel. That's the seed that goes out. And it may surprise you, but none of us can save anybody. It's God that does the saving. We threw out the gospel. We put out the gospel there. And when, when it says water, to me that means we, we sort of not just throw the word of God at him, but we sort of explain what it means. We make the conditions right. A farmer knows what this means. You know, we have to till up the ground. The ground needs to be soft. That's the Holy Spirit's work. And then it will take root. But if there's no seed to plant, it's not going to grow. And if there's no moisture, it's not going to grow. So God gives the increase. And so they had many strong Christians. Some Christians, though, began to doubt Paul because of these Jewish false teachers. And there's times in our life that we have doubts also. And, and I understand that. We all have them in our life. Sometimes we say, why God? Why are we going through this? You know, we can sit back today and look at the things in this world that are going on and say, why? I, I, I don't know where God fits into this. God, if you are so strong and you are so sovereign, you are so holy, you are so righteous, you are so powerful, why do we have these things that go on? Those are sort of doubts and questions that we can have in our life. But it comes back to trusting in God. And we understand that God didn't bring sin into the world, but man brought sin into the world. And a lot of what we see is the consequences of sinful man. And so we had many that, that doubted what he had taught. And so he's going to address that as we go through Galatians. He's going to address that here. And at the start of the letter, he wanted to emphasize a couple things. He wanted to emphasize that he was a true apostle. So he, he wanted to establish that first. He just didn't want to start talking and avoiding the white elephant in the room, to say the least, right? Some of these people weren't believing, so he started out that way. Paul, an apostle. And he says, not through men or appointed by men, but from God. It is God who has called me. It is God that I'm going to be faithful to. It is God that I am representing. It is God that I am sharing. And so we can do that too. Not that we're righteous in our own selves, but we have been also appointed by God. Okay, Not to be authors of the Bible, but to be proclaimers of the gospel. To speak into people's lives. 
We're called to be the best people that we can be, that God has called us to be, to be faithful unto him, to honor him in what we say and in what we do, and to evangelize, to share this message with the world that's around us. And so the apostle was really somebody that was sent to teach God's word. So some churches today, they have, they have uh, pastors that they'll call apostles, and they're not, I, I call them, they're not the big A apostle, but they're a preacher. There's somebody that they believe God has sent them to give a message. And so we can be that too. And we have to be that. And we have been called to do that. Paul also taught with God's authority. Verse 2 And to all the brethren who are with me, to the churches in Galatia, he taught with God's authority. The one thing that we need to do as, as believers is we need to stand firm on God's word. That's why the scripture tells us, be ready to give an answer for that hope that is within you. Because when we know that that hope is in us, and we know why that hope is there, and we know what Jesus Christ has done for our life, we know about his, his atonement, his redemption, we know about his death, burial, and resurrection, we know that he's coming back for us, we know the promises of God. We know that he is God's only son, that he is the only way. When we know these things, we can speak of those things strongly. And we can also speak with God's authority, if we're speaking God's word. And we need to be bold in that, because if we sort of hem-haw, and if we worry sometimes about, well, if I share this, this, this scripture, this passage, you know, somebody may be offended. You know, we take this risk of offending people, and having them come to the Lord because the seed is being planted, or not offending them and them going to hell. And we need to really think about that. I'd much rather offend somebody with the hopes that they are going to have that seed take root and come to Christ, than to say nothing and let them go unwarned. So we need to really understand that. So in this, this old country, this Turkey, this Galatia, area there was this church and it was again it was a group of people it wasn't a building it was a group of people that were were meeting together and Paul's helpers would have probably gone and they would have delivered this letter it says to all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia somebody would have gone probably with this letter that Paul had written and they would have read it to the church they would have shared it and there was people that probably would have copied it so they could study it later and and uh, you know because it's more than five verses. It's the whole book that we're looking at. And they would have studied it later, much like we do with the Bible. We, have, we really have a gem in our life that, that we can look at all the time, right here. And we can, we can open it, we can read through it, and we can see what it is that God says. We can learn from it. You can buy study Bibles that have cross-references. And if we're really hungry for God's Word, we are going to do those things. And so... As they wrote these things, the hope was is that he was going to set the record straight. And he was going to get people to believe this truth again. Verse 3 tells us, Grace to you and peace from our Lord and Father Jesus and our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul prayed for, for kindness and peace. Grace and kindness uh, sort of intertwine in that, that word there, grace, as we read in verse 3. But Paul opened up a lot of his letters this way. He understood the importance of grace and he understood the importance of peace. And he, again, started almost every letter with these things. And he wrote it because he understood that God was the head of everything. 
And he understood that people could not have grace in their life or peace in their life without having Jesus in their life. So a lot of people are looking for peace today. You can listen to the debates, you can listen to the opinions, you can listen to the world. And people just say, I'm tired of this, I want peace, I want peace, I want this, I want that. But the Bible tells us that we're never going to have peace in our life unless we have Christ in our life. Because he's the one that gives us peace that surpasses all understanding. And of course, grace is a gift of God. It's something that we don't deserve, but it's something that he gives his believers. And so he starts that grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, who gave himself for our sins. Right? Red in our bookmark. If you got your bookmark yet, red, right? Jesus gave his life to pay for our sins. Black. Our sins are black. Red is his blood. And so we know that Jesus gave his life. And Paul is emphasizing this again. That God wants us to have his grace and peace. That it is Jesus who gave himself for our sinfulness. And it's only through Christ that we can be saved. And he emphasizes this not only in this book, but in every book that Paul writes. You know, there's, there's not very many verses that you can read of any of Paul's writings where Jesus doesn't come up. And you know, for a believer, that's how it should be. We should be talking about Jesus all the time. Jesus, one of the literal meanings of it, is God, the God who saves. It is God who saves. Also, we can look at the word Messiah, the person whom God has anointed. It was his only son, and there's the one way, and that is through Jesus Christ and him alone. And so some of the believers had began to drift from that. They began to start putting emphasis again in some of the works that they were doing. And I, and I just want you to know that some of the works that we do are wonderful. We do works because of salvation, not for salvation, A. But the works we do don't gain us merit with God. They're just things that we do because of what Christ has, has done for us. Now the Bible does say that there can be rewards for some of the things that we do. But some people think because they come to church every Sunday that they get a little bit higher standing with God than the person that maybe comes periodically. Or someone who gives more money is going to be blessed more than the one who doesn't give much. Or maybe the one who goes out on the missions field, and I know they don't believe this, but they're going to be blessed more than those that sit at home and don't. Some people believe those things. Those are, are laws and they're sort of lies that, that penetrate into our life, into the things we do. Now, all those things are good to do. You know? It's good to be a cheerful giver. It's good to be in church. God says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. He tells us to go out to all nations and preach the gospel. Those are all wonderful things to do. But the emphasis always needs to be on our relationship with Jesus. In the Old Testament, he promised to send the Messiah to his people. That's what they were looking forward to. Paul understood that as a Jew. However, most Jews did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And that was the problem. That was like being raised in a religion, looking and being taught that this Messiah was going to look a certain way, act a certain way, come a certain way. 
and all of a sudden here comes Jesus looking just totally opposite of what any of the Jews thought and they couldn't they couldn't accept it they couldn't swallow that pill and that was the difficulty and that's the difficulty many times with us many times we fashion God in our own image too we think of God or Christ or the Holy Spirit however we want to put it they're all one three and one but we picture God a certain way you know for some of us God is a judgmental God he's going to take care of all the evil that's going on for some people God is the loving God God couldn't hurt anybody because God is love is God the strict parent is God the lenient parent is God full of grace and mercy is he full of wrath and judgment well if we read the scripture we see it's all there it's a package it depends where you're looking at it from and that's why we need to take scripture in context and as a whole that's why we need to have an open mind as far as God's word goes as we look at it to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Because Jesus, sometimes we've painted him to look a certain way. You know, we've all seen the, the common picture of, of Jesus, you know, that people hang on the wall. He's sort of sitting there looking sort of nice, sort of a white guy, sort of blondish, uh, brown hair, wavy length, shoulder hair. And we've come to think of that well, that's what Jesus looked like. I'll tell you, Jesus didn't look anything like that, as far as my studies have showed me. He didn't look anything like that. But when we see that picture and we say, well, who's this? People say, well, that's Jesus. Because that's how we've been taught. But when we look beyond that, really the, the lesson is this, look beyond the outside looks. Sometimes we look at people and, and we can say, oh, that person's very successful because they're dressed very nice. We can see somebody in, in holy jeans or a tattered t-shirt and say, well, that person's a bum, just by the way they take care of themselves. We become very judgmental on things. And so that's why the Jews many times had laws. They had laws to make sure that everything was observed, everything was done according to what they believed was right in God's eyes. And we need to be cautious of that. Grace is a gift that God gives. We don't deserve it and we cannot earn it. So understand that. When we're talking about grace, it's a gift that God gives. We do not deserve it and we cannot earn it. We can't come to the throne of grace and, God, you owe me this one. I've been good. I've been doing okay. I've been, you know, trying my best. I got this coming to me. No. The Bible tells us quite different. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now I'm righteous, not one. The wages of sin of death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So we cannot earn it. We do not deserve it. And it comes only by the means of Jesus. If you believe in him as your Lord and Savior, then you've been saved by grace through faith. Not of works, lest any of us could boast. Because if there's something we could do, we could say, oh, look what I did. Therefore, I'm saved. No, the work of salvation is the work of God in our life. So it comes to by only by Christ. God gives his people everything they need for their Christian life. When you become saved, God has packed your toolbox full. He has given you everything you need to deal with every situation in life. The question is, is are you unpacking that? So, you know, one of my 
thoughts that I usually have as a master mechanic and I have a friend up north who he, he's a wonderful mechanic he's got like four or five toolboxes that are they're huge you know I, I got a couple little ones and they suffice what I need if you need a tool for just about anything that I think I've ever seen him need he can find it there he's got that well I like to think of that spiritually in my life that whatever God has brought me to he's given me the tool to deal with it he's given me the ability he's given me the whatever the personality he's given me the the wisdom he's given me whatever I need to face whatever I need to in life so at your point of salvation he gives you everything that you need for your Christian life peace in the Hebrew language is shalom you probably hear that quite a bit shalom Jewish saying it's a traditional greeting actually amongst the Old Testament Jews a lot of times if you were to come up to somebody and say shalom it just mean peace to you and they'd say shalom back peace to you they wanted peace for one another so it was among the Jewish people peace is not just the opposite of war or noise you know sometimes when I'm at home and the grandkids come around it's just like man I want some peace what I'm really meaning is I want quiet okay this peace is not just quiet it's not that at all it's not the opposite of war you know we're in war somewhere we say we need peace this peace that is talking about is when God gives you a calm spirit so when Paul says grace to you and peace from God he's saying I want you to have the grace that only comes through Jesus and I want you to have that calm spirit and that's why I want to challenge you even during these times of, of uncertainty these times of up, uprivals and these times of contentions that are going on that you can have a calm spirit do your part but you can have a calm spirit because a calm spirit I believe comes when our trust is in God and again it's a gift that he has given us he's offered it to you he says here it is here it is but he says you need to take your eyes and you need to take your hands sometimes out of this stuff and you need to get your hands and your eyes and yourself focused back on what I have because this peace that God offers affects every part of a person's life and relationships every part so if you don't have God's peace in you, if you don't have his grace in you, it affects every relationship you have, it affects every part of your life that you have, and nobody can have God's peace without God's grace. We try to self-manufacture peace. We think, hey, give me this pill or give me that pill, calm my nerves, you know, give me this sedative so I'm not so anxious. Those are all band-aids. What Jesus offers is eternal and so in verse 4, when he says he gave himself, this is the second main thing really Paul wanted to emphasize in the start of this letter, is, is Jesus. And he's the central thing, but this is the second thing he's really emphasizing. Jesus came to this world, he died on our behalf to save us from sins. That's the gospel message. Paul would claim this, I come to, to preach nothing but Christ crucified. He came and he gave his life for you. Do we believe in that? Do we walk in that? We can choose to live in the right way. He's given us the power to do that. He's given us everything we need again for this life. But we need to walk in that which he has given us. Once we are saved, we are his. But we still have that free will to make choices of right or wrong. To walk in his way or to walk in the way of the world. And this is the good news about Jesus that Paul wanted to teach to the people of Galatia. He says, I want you 
to know that truth again. I want you to walk in that liberty, in that freedom that I have given you. He ends this by, to whom be the glory forever and ever, amen. You know, God is wonderful. He is wonderful. He has given us everything, again, that we need. He has given us understanding. He's given us wisdom. He's given us friends. He's given us relationships. He's given us this church body. He's given us our families. He's given us our community. And God's plan through Jesus is wonderful. And it only comes through Jesus Christ. He needs to be the center of every decision that you make. And you may say, but you don't understand. No, I understand. We all struggle with that. We all struggle with how do we honor God in all of our actions, in all of our thoughts, in all of our words. Do we fall short of that? Yes. And when we fall short of that, all that shows me is that I need him more than ever. If I have a bad thought, if I'm, if I'm thinking something I shouldn't, or if I say something that I shouldn't, all that shows is that I am not sufficient within myself. That I need to put more dependence upon Christ. And because God is wonderful, because his plan through Jesus is wonderful, it really shows us that we need to worship him at all times. And worshiping him isn't just coming to church. So this is one way that we can worship him. It's not just singing the songs. But that's one way that we can worship him. But we worship him by our life. We worship him by our choices. We worship him in our prayer life. We worship him by how we treat others. And these are all biblical principles. Whatever you have done to the least of these, you have done unto me. That's how we show God our worship, is by what we do, or lack of worship. And he ends in verse 5 with the word Amen. Amen really shows that we agree with the speaker. Sometimes when we give a good point and we slap the pulpit, somebody might say, Amen. I, believe, I agree with you. I believe with you. Paul right here is really saying in this prayer, and that's sort of what it is. It's a greeting, but it's a prayer. He's really asking the people of Galatia, I want you to be in agreement. I want us to have that unity that God has called us to have. Paul expected the Christians in Galatia to really agree with his prayer and the things that he was about to go through and teach them. So that's sort of the history as we get into Galatians and that's sort of just the opening thoughts of, of who Paul was and, and what his greeting is about. But now you can read ahead a little bit because he's going to get into the topic next week about there's only one gospel. He's going to talk about his call to apostleship. He's going to be talking about contacts in Jerusalem. He's going to be talking about all these things that really can affect our life. And I think that you'll really enjoy Galatians as we go through it. So let us uh, close with prayer and uh, ask God to direct our paths this week. Father, we thank you again for bringing us together. We thank you for this word that you have given us. Father, we thank you as we even look at this word in this book that really one of the key words, and there's several in there, but faith is one. And Lord, we need faith. 
we need to exercise our faith. Faith is a gift of, from you again. We understand that. But we need to exercise that which you have given us. And so, Lord, we need to exercise our faith. And grace is another word that Galatians talks a lot about. And grace isn't just something that we receive, though it's very important in our salvation. But grace is also something that we can give. And Lord, as we look at grace through the eyes of Galatians, help us to see how we can exercise grace towards others. Also talks about our liberty. And our liberty isn't just to do as we please, but our liberty is to do as you have called. And so Lord, help us to look at that, that we don't need to be bound by certain rules and regulations. But Lord, that our relationship with you is what binds us. The word of God is what binds us. And we have great liberty that you have given us through the cross and through your word. And so Father, we just pray as we look at the word and as we study through the next several weeks, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts and help us to grow in all these things. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.